My name is Fadila Ahmad Abdurazak, and I am the co-founder of Fainaj Express Limited. This, this, is, this is Diversified, Diversified. Game. 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 A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, all the way from Ghana, I have Fidela, and she's going to give us the game on what she does. And why this is going to be important is no matter where you live in the world, and let's say you are trying to invest, maybe relocate, you know, over 5,000 Black Americans alone in Ghana, so they tell me, this company can help you not make those mistakes so you do not get you know, chopped. No 419 in Ghana. I think that's going to be the uh, title of this, right? So <laughs> welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely great. Thank you so much, Kellen, for having me. Oh, thank you for, for, for coming on and, and sharing the game. I think what you're doing is so important, especially for what we do in bringing people to Africa, helping them set up their businesses, relocate, even just to visit as a consultant. So give us the game on your company. Why should everybody who's interested in Ghana, no matter where they're from in the world, you know, how can you guys help them uh, settle in? Okay, thank you uh, for the opportunity once again. I will start by a backstory. I I am not a Ghanaian. I am a foreign national living in Ghana for over the past 10 or 11 years. And I have had multiple experiences from being a student to a young professional and now a middle class or a medium professional. I have seen a lot of things and I have experienced from a personal point of view, the struggles that young professionals, especially African nationals and members of the diaspora face when they first move into Ghana. The same with other members of our team. Uh, we have a very diversified team of uh, both Ghanaians and non-Ghanaians, Africans and non-Africans. Uh, and we bring together all of our expertise in the various aspects to ensure or to work with our clients to help and to empower them to be able to start their business in Ghana, move their business to Ghana, or resettle back in Ghana across in other, nas- uh, other countries that we serve. And what we simply do is we assist uh, Finance Express Limited, assist uh, expert communities, companies, corporate companies, small and medium scale companies, companies of all sizes, to be able to take their first steps when they are coming into the country, helping them navigate with the compliance requirements, helping them navigate with the cultural nuances, helping them navigate with all of the paperwork that takes a lot of time if they go doing it by themselves. So we take all of that headaches uh, onto ourselves and we do it happily by providing a series of services from business development and set up advisory services to compliance consulting like tax issues, tax registration, immigration, work and resident permits, and all the in-betweens or even the necessary permits they need to be able to operate their business effectively while they're in Ghana and have no worry of being in uh, non-compliance with applicable government regulations. So 
that's, uh, I would say, a brief insight as to what we do at Financial Express. Oh, and it's a lot that you do. So correct me if I'm wrong. So you are a Nigerian who has actually gone through these steps, you know, relocating to Ghana. So you you had to practice this before you started teaching it. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, Ghana, very popular. Um, Nigeria, very popular for especially Americans to come to. Americans come over with uh, what we say in Spanish, ojos de bull, where, you know, owl's eyes and they just want to come chop everything. They want the soya, they want the pepper on it, they want the maggie, everything. And sometimes they find that the pepper is too hot. And I, what I mean by that is, oh man, business does not run the same as it does in America, especially in the beginning. Can you give the audience an insight on, you know, timetables of how long it takes to set up a business and maybe the top two business structures, because here we have various business structures, but there's like top three here mm-hmm. in America. Okay. So the first thing I would like to share is uh, timelines are not conclusive in Ghana. And one of the first things that most foreign nationals need to be aware of is the need to be patient when dealing with government institutions. In terms of the actual business registration, it takes from as a minimum of, of one week up to a maximum of three months, depending on the type of business, the registration requirements, and if all the documents were filed at the first uh, time that the application was filed. So, uh, but in terms of us as a company, what we do is we ensure that we uh, gather or we, we work with you to fulfill all the necessary requirements and gather all the necessary documents And within two weeks, your company is registered in Ghana and ready to operate or ready to go on to the next stage of acquiring the necessary licensing if you're in a specialized industry. And then in terms of uh, business structures, uh, I want to be very uh, clear on what exactly you're asking. Are you asking the type of business that uh, people can operate here or what exactly are you referring to as business structures? Yes. You know, everybody knows corporations here in America. You can start off as a sole prop. You can be a LLC, uh, S Corp. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Okay. So the, the, the first thing is as a foreign national in Ghana, you cannot register a sole proprietor business. Uh, mostly uh, limited liability companies is what most foreign nationals or foreign corporations own. You can register as a joint venture and you can register as a partnership. So these are the top three, I would say, common types of uh, business structures or types, yeah, structure of business that you can adopt for your company, depending on the needs that you have and how deep you want to be operating in the country or how long it is that you want to operate in the country. And so you need a partner or you need, you know, you need to, you can't just do it yourself. Can you tell people how they can protect themselves? Because, you know, when they come over as a foreigner, as a JJC, um, they they wonder, if I build this business up, what if my partner tries to, you know, take my business? Maybe they watch too many uh, Nigerian movies with Asofia and Kim Owa, and they're worried that somebody will come chop their business after they build it up. Are there are there ways of protecting themselves 
And what are those, you know, few ways just to give them some, some game so they can be at ease? Absolutely. So first and first, just to correct your statement, Ghana allows for 100% foreign ownership. Uh, so you do not need to partner with a Ghanaian to register a company in Ghana, except for some very few industries. So for the majority of the, of the, of the situations, you can own the company 100% foreign owned, or you can introduce a partner or depending on if you are trying to avoid some costs, you can decide to uh, partner with a local in order for you to reduce the minimum capital requirements. However, in terms of the first things that you need to get done is you need to have written agreements. In a situation where you decided to involve a local a local person uh, in your business as a shareholder or as a director, beyond the company registration documents, you need to have the founder's agreement in order to ensure that you have explicitly stated the rules, responsibilities, compensation, what is the situation in which exit is going to occur, or cancellation of shares are going to be done, and all of that. When you have this, it helps you a lot later down the line in the case that you want to change partners or in the case that you need to relinquish some shares in order for you to raise funds or in order for you to just take some of the shares back onto yourself. And another thing I think it's very important to do is go through a professional. You can, it's easy, like everybody can register a business on their own. But why do you need to go through a professional? A professional already has been in the system and understands the game and understand all of the schemes, both the positive and the negative that exist in the market space. And they can save you a lot of time. They can save you a lot of the risks of fraud because you can deal directly with a local professional, a local national or a Ghanaian that you know, or your sister knows, or your husband's boyfriend's girlfriend knows. And then you end up not having this legal agreement. You end up not having your interest protected. We've had situations whereby nationals from Germany have sent money to somebody in Ghana to register a fully foreign-owned company only for them to come down and then realize that the company was fully registered as a Ghanaian company and they were just listed as directors. So some of these issues or some of these, uh, a few tips on how you can mitigate the risks. And another thing that you definitely need to do is don't just give out shares at the early stages of your business without defining what the conditions of keeping those shares are. So uh, try to not give up too much ownership upfront uh, and try to ensure that the people that you are uh, working with or you intend to work with either as directors or as shareholders who are locals are not just... Um, willing to do business with you, but they're able to add value to you in the market space. So if you're going into a business of, let's say, oil and gas, and then you get somebody who is a teacher, you're not going to get so much value from that person because the person has not relevant experience or connections, which you need when you are doing business in Ghana. So evaluate the people that you uh, decide to go into business with them and just don't take people for the face value of it and ensure that you have legal agreements, ensure that you go through a professional so that they can uh, check some of these information for you, save you time, money, and all the headaches that you would if you're doing it by yourself. Now, for someone who sees 
so many businesses and people coming in. What are your thoughts on foreigners coming over to a new country, don't even know, you know, the language, the dialect, even pidgin, um, and they try to get into like, you know, oil and gas or diamonds, but back home they were a psychologist or they were, you know, uh, a mechanic. Do you advise people to, you know, live your dream? Uh, of course, you know, everybody's plan on paper is good, but or should they follow what they already know in their home country because they're an expert in that? I think uh, my response to this will be it varies. Uh, it's totally, it's, there are situations whereby people who had no experience in a particular industry come in and they become successful, but there are many situations whereby they get duped or they don't become successful because they don't have the practical knowledge and experience. So the decision is obviously onto whoever is coming. However, if you decide to go into an industry that you have no prior experience, knowledge, expertise, or connections in, you have to first invest time, effort, and energy to learn about that industry. You have to create a team of the first few people or few employees or partners or directors that have a solid understanding of that industry. And then another thing also you have to do is you need to ensure that you build a relationship with a government agency in charge of that department or in charge of that industry to ensure that the people that you're working with have not been blacklisted, the people that you're working with have not been deemed fraudulent, and the, 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 the techniques or the, the benefits that uh, exist for companies in that particular space are maximized, and you know them at the early stages rather than waiting for years to pass and then just you struggling. So that's my opinion in relation to that um, subject matter. And what are you saying um, in your, your experience? Is it um, people, old people, young people, and you know, also with that, how much money um, should people start with? Because I know, you know, from the American side, people will come over there with, you know, $5,000 thinking they're going to buy $50,000 worth of, um, you know, homes or land. So, you know, is it, is it old, young and give us a, a good amount where you think you've seen people successful that they've come in with X amount of dollars with a great plan, of course, with your company's help and they've been successful. Okay. Um, again, the answer is it varies depending on what type of business it is. And every uh, national, foreign national, Afro-diasporan or other Africans coming into Ghana need to understand the type of business structure they want to go in. If you're going in to register a limited liability company, it means that you are going to be given access to operate, buy and sell in the local market without restrictions. If that is the case for you, there are minimum capital requirements that the Ghana Investment Promotion Center requires for service-based business, which uh, if you're partnering with a local is $200,000. If you are not partnering with a local is $500,000. And if you're going into any form of trading activities is $1 million. This is not uh, money that the government is going to keep. It's money that you are expected to transfer into the country either in cash or in assets or in machineries for your investment to be recognized as legal 
and allowed to operate within the jurisdiction. However, there are other people who come into the country without the intention of setting up a functional business over there, but rather buying a particular commodity, be it share butter, gold or cocoa or any other type of product that is found in Ghana. Typically, I would say if you want to, I, I don't want to give an exact figure, but at least you should have a capital of $20,000 or $10,000 bare minimum for you to be able to uh, benefit from the economies of skills for you to be able to benefit from negotiating to find the best supplier that your value or that your product or your money can afford. So uh, this is just the insight that I can share in relation to that. And then don't come thinking that money is all that is needed for your business to be successful or uh, whatever was working over there in America or over there in Germany or Netherlands is what is going to work here. Yes, come with the money. The money is important. However, you have to learn the systems or work with people who understand the local systems and the way in which business is governed and the way in which business is operated for you to be successful. And will they take cryptocurrency? Is Ghana there? Uh, maybe you even know about Nigeria because we have a lot of crypto millionaires, especially during this pandemic. And they say, mm -hmm. well, that's a lot of money, but you know, I, I have it mm -hmm. in crypto. Do I have to make it liquid or can I, you know, um, show proof of having that in, you know, maybe putting some of that in the bank? Um, you know, if you have to, but how, how is crypto, how crypto friendly has Nigeria and Ghana been? Okay, I'll answer from the Ghana perspective before I go to Nigeria. In relation to demonstration of minimum capital requirement as per the GIPC regulation, it needs to be in fiat and not in cryptocurrency. There has not yet been a system to validate or to verify uh, the transfer of funds into the country using the crypto platform or holding it on any blockchain wallet of some sort. However, in terms of crypto adaptability, there are a lot or there's an increasing number of businesses, mostly private businesses, not government businesses or institutions that are accepting crypto as a mode of payment. However, the penetration is still very low. Uh, in terms of retail trading, they are huge. There's a huge community of retail traders in the crypto space, of course, because it's hot, of course, because the money or the, the crypto provides an opportunity for exponential growth. So a lot of millennials, I would say, have been involved in the retail trading market. And there's a growing, uh, not just need, but there's a growing euphoria and enthusiasm about crypto crypto currencies however in terms of acceptability not all service providers uh, accept crypto or any form of usdt as a form of payment uh, and then in terms of uh, regulatory policy regulatory regulations have not yet been fully defined there are a lot of gray areas as to whether or not crypto is acceptable of course we have seen a lot of hikes on the part of the nigerian government uh, banning crypto in 2021, and then later on introducing the e-NERA, which is a digital uh, or electronic NERA, uh, still a centralized form of uh, currency, which the uh, blockchain technology is actually fighting against. So uh, we're still at the very early stages. Regulations have not been fully defined. 
uh, there are lots of gray areas in terms of what is legal, what is not illegal. Are they even going to be taxed? If they are going to be taxed, the earnings, how is that reported and all of that? But we are still in the very early stages. However, there is increasing awareness by private companies and service providers that crypto is indeed a legitimate form of uh, currency or a legitimate form of uh, exchange of value. So exciting times are really ahead. And I, I know you said that, you know, for Ghana, um, but I know you deal with Nigeria. Can you tell the people, um, because you might have, you know, even you as a Nigerian might say, wow, the Ghana system is similar or it's, you know, two different things. So can you explain to somebody who may even be coming from Sierra Leone, because a lot of folks from Sierra Leone come to Nigeria or Ghana to, you know, fall bush. How how similar are, are the systems between Ghana and Nigeria? Okay, so I have to be very frank. I think things or the system works better in Ghana than it does in Nigeria. There is a higher sense of sanity here in terms of even regulations, in terms of uh, the economy, not economically per se. Nigeria is obviously larger, even in terms of purchasing power of people in Nigeria is much higher than purchasing power of people in Ghana. However, in terms of ease of doing business, it's relatively easier to do business in Ghana than it is to do in Nigeria. Because when you look at the amount of time it takes to register a business, the access to raw materials, the political stability is much higher here in Ghana than it is in Nigeria. However, Ghana is slower than Nigeria. You will get results faster in Nigeria, especially if you have money and you're ready to do the whoosh whoosh. Uh, I don't want to say it, but you're ready, <laughs> yeah. you're ready to do the whoosh whoosh. You get things passed much faster in Nigeria than you would in Ghana. Also, people in Nigeria make decisions quicker than Ghanaians make decisions. And people in Nigeria, when you're working with them, they are more open to giving you criticisms and feedback than Ghanaians will give you. So it, you have to, to develop a system of even communication that ensures that people are not just saying it's okay when it is actually not okay. So these are the two things I would say, uh, but both countries are, uh, are, are, are speak English. That's the first thing. Uh, so it's pretty accessible to the English speaking countries or members of the Afro diaspora who come from English speaking countries. Both of the countries have some level of corruption. We would not deny that. And uh, both of the countries have different cultural nuances as to how things are done. Ghanaians are a little bit slower than Ghanaian, than Nigerians, and decisions take longer to make in Ghana than it does for in Nigeria. Let me know if that answers your question. It, it, it does, it does. And if you guys, for whatever reason, didn't read between the lines or know uh, what whoosh whoosh, yeah, I, I call it um, toll or appreciation. We, those are the only words we use um, here. Those are, you know, we don't, we don't use the words like you were trying to avoid because every country has its form of corruption and its own way of doing things. But, you know, some places are better at highlighting it, you know, um, and are hiding it as well. Now, what you're doing, it's something that is needed. So you can do this for the rest of your life. This can be a life's work. 
the money is there and the money's coming. The best is yet to come for you. What is a community give back that you are doing now or that you would like to do in the future? Thank you. This is a very personal topic for me because I started my career in social and community service. And for me, impact driven or social impact is an integral part of my life as a person. And as a company, we are impact driven. So we support a lot of uh, entrepreneurship development uh, initiatives, especially in the startup ecosystems. Here in Ghana, we have partnered with more than six different startup ecosystems, providing them free advisory, discounted access to some of our services, as well as uh, advisory services during their initiatives and their events. Uh, that's on one part. And then also we support a number of NGOs, both here in Ghana and in Nigeria, from proceeds of what we make from our business at the end of the year, working on areas like maternal health, access to girl-child education, uh, reduction of uh, maternal mortality, especially in northern Nigeria, and also empowering women to be economically empowered so that they can be able to live a more dignified life. So these are some of the areas of social impacts that uh, we as a company and a lot for me as an individual contribute to within my work and outside my work at Finage Express. Well, and talking about your work, and, and I have to just, I want to put it out there because, and, and I do this for the American audience listening for sure, what range you know, if they come and they hire you. Yes, folks, hire. This is not a, she's going for sainthood, but not in this way, where it would be a free service. Is it a package deal? Is it a monthly retainer? Or does it just depend on the type of business? Good question. It depends on the type of business. We have clients that pay us monthly retainer, especially for the tax and compliance services. They are one-off consultations. So in terms of how we can work with you, we can work with you on one-on-one -on -one consultations. We can work with you to guide you through how to do it yourself, or you can outsource the work for us to get it done in terms of the business registration, licensing acquisition, and dealing with all the government and immigration related stuff. So different packages or different services have different costs. Uh, and the cost is also quite reasonable. Uh, compared to what you would get charged by other people. So uh, we have retainer packages, like I said, for the companies that want to continue working with us when they have already set up or if they are already in Ghana and they're having some issues and they want us to work with them on a project for six months, one year, three years, however long it is that they want. And then we have one of services uh, and consultations that we offer. And if you could give just a, a range, and, and I do that because somebody right now at home will say, oh, well, I got, you know, $500 and um, I, I think I can, you know, split, split that up and I can get all these services. So I want them to know just, you know, the minimum of where at right now they need to be. And guys, remember, there's no credit today. Come back tomorrow. And also that today's price ain't tomorrow's price, but where should they be at? If they have it, um, you know, is it 500 or is it 5,000 that they need to be at to even think of hiring a consultancy um, like yours? It starts from as a minimum of $250 for our consultations. 
Uh, and our service charge start from $250 up to $10,000 uh, for different projects. If you have higher projects or projects that are more complex, we do charge over $10,000, but our price ranges from a minimum of $250 up to $10,000. And I said before, she's going for sainthood. So don't let the, you know, 10,000, some of you just heard 10,000. You didn't even hear the 250. That's the real blessing to be able to get this game. But don't let that, you know, you are listening to a woman and she has a team. Uh, shout out to Isaac, who connected us. And they'll go with you for the ride. You know, they, they, they want you to be successful. So don't be intimidated because you might not have the top 10,000. Your idea might not even be worth a thousand. She'll let you know. The company will let you know. And it is a company. I want to put it out there. It's, it's teamwork. And can you tell the audience what you guys do in remote work advising? Because it's very, it sounds like Somebody might be listening and get a job from you guys working for an African company while transitioning to Ghana or Nigeria and the other places you, you know, you work. I know you guys are in China as well, I believe Turkey. But yeah, tell them on the remote work, what, what do you guys do for clients? Okay. Uh, thank you very much. So before I answer that question, I also like to say that we will add on the show notes or we will send to you a link. Uh, for people who want to book the 15 minutes free discovery call to determine if it is right for them to work with us or uh, both of our needs align. Uh, in relation to your second question, uh, sorry, I lost it. Kindly come again. Okay, no, no worries, no worries. And when you put that link, if you hear me remote disguise, work. disguise my work. voice. Okay, you got it. Remote work. Gotcha. Yes. I was gonna set you up. Okay, so in relation to remote work, remote work transition uh, in our business means we work with companies, small, medium, and large companies who have been brick and mortar for a long time and are trying to transition into either a hybrid organization, which means having some employees working on site and some employees working remotely, or wants to transition into a fully remote company to assist them with the, or to guide them with the necessary steps they need to take, the policies they need to develop, the trainings that they need to do, the revamp in culture that they need to consider, and the different factors that they need to consider when they are working with a distributed team, whether it is located in one country or in multiple countries. So it's not a remote job transition. However, if anybody wants remote job transition uh, advisory service, they can reach me out on LinkedIn or on Instagram, and I'll be happy to refer you to many coaches that I know, at least about four of them that have been working with high performance and helping them transition uh, or find remote jobs that are right for their lifestyle. And if you could give an inspirational um you know, leave us with something inspirational and you, you can have it, whatever you want to leave us with. But I, I want you to kind of inspire, you know, this is my, my part. I want you to inspire someone. You've been to over 35 countries. There's somebody listening who they want to travel. And of course they say, I have no money. Mm -hmm. Can you tell people, unless you know, uh, Dangute is your, your father or uncle, um, how... <laughs> 
how you were able to do that? What was the start? Because travel begets travel. And so once you go one place, you go another. But for that person who hasn't been able to launch yet, can you give them some tips on how to do that? The first step I'll have to I'll share with you is you have to make a decision that travel is important in your life. Just like the same way you go to your job every morning or you go to work on your business or you spend time with your family and loved ones, you have to decide if travel is something that you want to prioritize in your life. Once you prioritize that, then you need to plan and don't, you don't have to start traveling by going international. You can go regional. You can travel out of your city. You can discover your existing country. So that's the second thing I, will, I, I, I need to share. And then the third thing I would like to share is it's not, it's not unsafe out there. It is, it is, you will probably experience more security, safety, and peace than you will in the United States or than you will if you are in Nigeria or you are in Germany or whatever country it is that you're listening to here. So it's not as scary as the media tells you to, especially if you are a woman and you're traveling alone. A lot of people get super paranoid because they think that somebody out there is out for their lives or is out to have to get them harmed in one way or the other. And then also you need to know that travel expands your being as a person. It gives you a sense of for me, travel gives me a sense of novelty and a sense of inspiration and a sense of openness that I have not experienced. And this doesn't just happen one time. It happens for every destination that you go. You get to, to, to see the misconceptions. You get to be able to recognize your own biasness. You get to be able to recognize and celebrate other people's culture. You get to be able to see from a firsthand perspective what life really is like, not what the media tells you is like in the other side of the world, whether you're going to Afghanistan or you're going to Northern Nigeria or you're going to Chile or you're going to Brazil or Mexico. So, uh, and I think everybody should travel. Make travel, uh, if you decide to make travel a priority in your life, you also have to get financially creative and financially disciplined. You're not going to travel with no money in the bank account, but you don't need a lot of money to travel in with the bank account. You can use so many hacks, so many hacks. Previously, there was couch surfing, for example. Till today, there still is couch surfing. Although people are not as receptive as possible to host people, but all around the world, they are companies there are people, there are families that are open to welcoming you into their homes. There are hostels, there are motels, there are uh, third, three-star accommodation options. You have to make a decision to travel, not because you want to impress people, but because you want to either find yourself or just go over your sense of adventure. Once you get past that um mentality of wanting to impress people with your travels and staying in five-star resorts and eating the best food and moving in Ubers from morning till night and not even getting your steps in, then you won't travel and you keep saying travel is expensive. But travel can be very cheap. It can also be relatively expensive depending on the destinations that you intend to visit. 
but eventually or ultimately travel is something that opens up your mind it opens up your life it gives you a sense of motivation it gives you a sense of inspiration it it helps you to be able to see the world from how it truly is rather than how you have been taught for you to look at it and i encourage everybody who can to travel at least once a year leave your city go to another city leave your country go to another country you don't have to travel from america to atlantica or come to africa you can travel from america and go to cuba go to mexico go to panama go go outside and it's relatively cheaper i would say even traveling from the us than it is traveling from within one west african country to the other you have tickets $100 $200 $300 ticket from uh miami to mexico or from new jersey to mexico and you're spending that 200 or $300 just on coffee on a monthly basis you can use the same monies that you are using for other things that you have prioritized in your life right now so i'll highly encourage everyone to travel as much and as wide as you can also create friends meet people online you can you can build relationships with people without even having to see them and a lot of people based on my experience i think about 95% of the people in the world or at least 90% are good and they are harmless so you should trust your instincts also when you're traveling uh if it doesn't feel right don't force it leave learn how to stand up for yourself know your rights ensure that you don't overstay your visa if you're on a visa and all of that and you would you would have an incredible experience let the people know where they can find you and any last words that you want to leave them with you can find me personally on instagram at fadila_aahmad uh you can also find me using my full name fadila ahmad abdurazak on linkedin uh you should definitely visit our company website is www.fainaj f a i n a j s express.com and you can also google our company's name is the same name all across our social media pages last words is you are limitless your best days are yet to come and whatever it is that you're going through right now know that you can rise above and you can leave your dreams to the highest potential and if you ever want to come to Ghana you have any questions in relation to moving to Ghana either to start your business or to relocate your family and you need help be sure to book the free consultation that will be attached on this uh show notes and i look forward to talking to you soon Amen amen you guys have been blessed by the game so no matter if you are listening on iTunes where most of you tune in iHeart Spotify or our latest partner at AYV Radio in Freetown Sierra Leone are those of you who watch on YouTube that audience is growing more and more we thank you and make sure you share this with somebody it will change their life be blessed y'all Thank you so much for having me, Kellen. Hi guys, I'm Kai Gabiam from the Diaspora Channel, a lover of Africa. If you love Africa as well and you would love to visit one day or to relocate to Africa, there is a course out there for you. 
And this course is my first trip to Africa, a course well put together by a seasoned traveler, Kellen Cash Coleman. This course is designed to prepare you to travel better, which will save you both time and money. And the great news is this course costs only $20, guys. It can't get any better. Go right now and enroll to this course at www.diversifygame.com. Don't miss out. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit DiversifiedGame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.